locked in and get your label so that you can make sure you can pick them up when you are finished today. Well, as you've heard over and over uh, throughout the day today, today is our, I'm going to move this this way. That wobble will just not be good. There you go. See, whenever it wobbles, you just adjust and you're good. Is our Vision Sunday. And so back in 1933, a church named Huron Gospel Tabernacle started in this city, in the city of Huron. And over the years, it's evolved into what we know today at this location as Huron First. And if you are in this room and you have attended this church for more than a year, stand up. More than a year, stand up. Okay, that's a lot of people in the room. All right, now if you stay standing, if you have attended three years or more, stay standing and everyone else sit down. Three years or more, stay standing. Okay, good. Let's see if we can get rid of five years. If you've been coming five years, stay standing, everyone else sit down. All right, ten years. If you've been attending ten years, stay standing, and if not, be seated. Okay, we're doing pretty good. How about 20? Let's just jump to 20. Uh, you're not 20, so yeah, there you go. You're, you can't stand for your mom, sorry. <laughs> 20 years or more, stay standing, okay? Let's go to 30. 30 years or more. I, I need to sit down now. 30 years or more. I wish it was because I'm not 30. How about 40? 40 years? Would you, would you join me in showing appreciation to these that are still standing for the, the faithfulness over the years? You can go ahead and be seated. Thank you. Um, we stand today on the faithfulness of men and women just like this, that some of them have passed on from this life and we can't see them, but we know they were here. And we get to stand on that today. And so we celebrate that. We look forward to that. But the, the scripture passage that came to mind as we were thinking about Vision Sunday and praying about it, uh, the scripture that the Lord put in my heart comes from Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. I have become convinced. You, you might think that for the last 20 years that I've been here, maybe I've always been convinced, but I'll... I'm going to be honest in some ways today, trying not to be way too transparent, but I'm going to be honest in some ways. Um, not that I'm going to lie. But I, I haven't always been convinced that the best days are in front of us. Haven't. I mean, some days I, you know, I wonder, like many of you, and scratch my head and think, you know, it was so much better back when, or it was better back there, you know, I heard someone came to me once, and um, no, I'm not even going to say that. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Thank you, Jesus. I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So what that verse means is the best days are always in front of us because God has started a work. I'm, I'm positive that God started a work in 1933 in Huron called Huron Gospel Tabernacle. Sure of it. 
and he's going to finish it. The problem sometimes is it doesn't always look like we think it's going to look. This church started in 1933, but it didn't move to this location until 1964. It started as Huron Gospel Tabernacle, became First Assembly of God around the time I believe that it moved to this location in 1964. This edition that you're sitting in right now was added later in, uh, I believe, 1977. Someone who's been here 40 years can correct me later if I'm wrong. But uh, 1977, and now we a few years ago, officially changed our church name to Huron First Assembly of God, which I'll tell you hasn't worked real well, uh, because most people I hear in our church and out refer to us as First Assembly of God still, not Huron First, which is what we changed our name to uh, strategically. But in all of those moves and changes and things that happen, I have become convinced that the best days are still in front of us. Buildings come and go. Locations come and go. Programs come and go. As you look back through the history of this church, you will find bus ministries. You will find children and youth ministries and programs. You will find the Rock House Youth Center, Sunlight Celebration, Trunk or Treat, and uh, lots of other activities for children and youth choirs and singing Christmas trees and women's groups and men's groups and the Dorcas Circle and college ministries, uh, Royal Family Kids Camp. You will find the, the history of this church littered with programs and things that we did to try to accomplish a mission. But there is no program, no building, no location, no ministry, no person other than Jesus that is our mission. All of those things are tools that we use to accomplish our mission. And our mission, if we have forgotten, is so that all can hear the good news of Jesus Christ. This is why we exist. If we exist for any other reason, we're wasting our time and we should stop coming here. We exist so that all can hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We cannot allow our preferences, our likes, our dislikes, our nostalgia to trump the mission of the church. Our best days are ahead of us because God started the work and he will be faithful to complete it. This does not discount the hard work of years gone by. This does not discount what we have done in the past. Trust me, 20 years of ministry here, I have watched programs that I helped start outlive their usefulness. And it's hard to see those things go. It's hard to put those things aside. In fact, even as we sang the song, It Is Well Today, how many of you know we skipped my favorite verse? <laughs> Did you know? I mean, I don't want to sing about his coming. I want to sing about the bliss that he took all my sin and nailed it to the cross. And that's why it's well with my soul. See, I'm as nostalgic as all of you. I've been in church for 42 years. I love camp meetings. When we sing songs like It Is Well, I picture myself sitting at Living Waters Camp in Pennsylvania, Camp Hill, Pennsylvania, sitting there listening to songs that at that time I thought were just old and antiquated. But I remember the presence of God in that room. I can think back and I remember it. And sometimes I wish I could go back there. But that doesn't mean... My best days are back there. The best days are always in front of us. One of the things that we believe and we will continue to teach and preach and live out, because I believe the Scripture teaches it, is that the church is a living organism. 
In our society today, we battle this because church has become organizations, it's become institutions, it's become denominations, it's become buildings, it's become programs, it's become names. But if you look around the room right now, here on First Assembly of God is the sum of every human being that is a part of this body. Some of them are here today, some of them are not. We are here on First Assembly of God. You do not attend here on First Assembly of God. You are it. And if it is not what you like, you have got to do something to make it better because you are attached to it. It's not something you show show up for, complain about, and go home. It's not how it works. And I don't say that to try to shame anybody or to say that I'm angry with anybody, but I want you to know the futility of attending church. There's a scripture. I gotta hold on, I gotta lift my glasses. I've been here too many years. In Haggai, that I've read over the last several weeks, and it says this. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat and are not satisfied. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes, but you can't keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. You hope for rich harvests, but they were poor. And why have you? Why? And when you've brought your harvest home, put away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of heaven's armies, while all of you are busy building your own fine houses. This isn't about money. What the people of Israel were doing is they were neglecting in that day the temple, the house of God. They were supposed to bring sacrifices. They were supposed to bring gifts. They were supposed to bring money. They were supposed to bring these things. But They looked at what they had and they said, if I take this to the temple, I won't have enough for me. And so what they tried to do was keep it for themselves so they would have more. And guess what? They ended up with less. They ended up with less. And we get people that want to just attend church today. I just want to go to church. I mean, I don't want to give all of my time or all of my commitment or all of my connection. I mean, I believe in boundaries just like the next guy. But you have to be connected to the body of Christ because the word says this is the body of Christ. It's not a building. It's not a name. It's not an organization. It's not something you can get in and out of. And we do it to try to protect ourselves. We do it so, you know, I have more time for myself. I have more time for my family. And yet... By and large, what I find is people coming that, you know, they don't attend church. I don't have time for church. I don't have time for the body. I don't have time for all these things. Pastor Tom, I don't don't understand. My family is a wreck. My husband, he's having an affair. My family, where'd all that family time go? I mean, you know, it was better to go to the lake together than to go to the house of the Lord together and worship with the body of believers or be connected to the church. What I'm coming against today is not you in this room. It's the fallacy that exists in our culture today that church is something you go to. It's not something we go to. It's who we are. And the best days of Huron First Assembly of God are are ahead of us, and God has plans in store for us, and they involve everyone in this room. Everyone in this room. That's why you have a VIP sticker. Because I want you to realize you are vital 
to this church moving forward. We can't go without you. Any more than I could cut off my hand and live a fulfilled life, we can't go without you. Or just cut off my big toe. No one will hardly miss that until my sense of balance is all messed up. Hold on, i got to look again. These words are so tiny on this screen. Lord, heal my eyes. Make me like Moses. In the book of Romans, chapter 12, lest you think this is just my opinion, listen to the words of the Apostle Paul to the church in the book of Romans. Because what I want you to understand is Romans was a letter written to a church in Rome. Galatians is a letter written to a church in Galatia. Ephesians is a church, a letter written to a church in Ephesus. And what we find is they were making some mistakes, so they had to be corrected. Or they were not doing some things, and so they had to be taught or trained. They were encouraged. What? Hey, you are doing this well. Keep it up. These letters. And here's what I find about human nature. We tend to make the same mistakes we did years ago. We don't really learn from history. If you study history, if you actually study the history of the Roman Empire you would be very alarmed about the current state of our nation. Because the same things that led to the downfall of the Roman Empire are the things that we love and exalt in America. Look out. And here's the thing. I don't have to panic. People, you want to get on Facebook and be all panicked that America's going to go... Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Oh, it's easy for you to say. What about when they take all your stuff? Well, less that I have to take care of. I feel like the Lord's been telling me to get rid of stuff anyway, so if he sends people to take it away, that would be okay. And then I have less to worry about, less to take care of. So anyway, but listen to the words. Listen to the levels of connection and commitment called for to this church. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, Paul says, I give you a warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. You know that idea, well, I don't need those people because I'm better than them. I know we never would say that out loud, but we have a tendency to think that way. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves not by how stupid you are or how terrible you are or how ungifted you are, but by the faith God has given you. Okay, Because there are those of us that think we don't have anything to give or anything to offer, but at the end of the day, it's not about your abilities, it's about the faith God has given you. And if he has given you faith, then you have something to offer. And stop letting the enemy tell you you don't, or you're not necessary, or you shouldn't be wearing a sticker today. Just as our bodies have many parts and each has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We're many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. I don't belong to anybody. I belong to Jesus. I don't belong to you. You can't tell me what to do. I don't want to tell you what to do, but I do want to tell you the Bible says we belong to each other. We're many parts of one body. We all belong to each other. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Hey, anyone in the room who does everything well, please stand up. I mean everything well. <laughs> you even do pride and sarcasm well. Anyone in the room who does everything well, stand up. No, none of us. Why? Because none of us can do everything well. And that's why we need each other in the body of Christ. Don't just pretend to love others. Don't just pretend 
Honey, remember, right after church, we got to get out of here, okay? I mean, I'll put on a happy face, but I, my, after two minutes, my happy face goes away. We got to get out of here. I don't really love these people, but I can pretend for so long. <laughs> really love them. Love each other with a genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. Take delight in honoring each other. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Live in harmony with each other. That means you don't have to play the same note. Find a way to get your notes to make good sound. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil for evil. Do things in such a way that everyone sees you are honorable. And do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul tells this church, just as a body is one, it has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, and so it is with Christ. And I know some people say, well, he's talking about the universal church. No, he's talking to the church in Corinth. And so, yes, this applies to the church universal, but it also applies to the church you are a part of and belong to. God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. I love it when we move to a new town and we try out other churches and, you know, we see which one we like. I love it even more when people say we're praying and asking God where he wants us to be. Over the years, the 20 years I've been here, I've had people come and tell me, you know, we didn't like this church the best, but this is where we felt like God wanted us to be. Now, that's kind of, that'll, you know, do something to you. <laughs> because at first you're like, what do you mean we're not the best? I felt like we were the best. But I love the fact that you listen to God and you're here. And so, you know, there's this, uh, I want to be the best, but I want to go where God wants me to be. And so if that's not here, find where it is. Will I miss you? Absolutely. In 20 years, I've had to say goodbye to friends. Some of them have moved away. Some of them just moved to other churches. And let me tell you, it's hard to say goodbye. And I know that you think Pastor Tom just gets up there and preaches and these people left and he doesn't even care. The best days are still in front of us. I understand the words of David that says, you know, if it had been my enemy, I could handle it. But it was you. It was you that I went to the temple with. It was you that I shared fellowship with. And you're the one that has walked away. I'm not saying people that walked away, it was their fault or my fault or your fault or their fault or anyone's fault. I'm just saying it hurts. And sometimes life just sucks. I don't know. Can I say that in a sermon? Do we have to cut that out? I'm just, it does. And it doesn't mean we don't care. It means that we have to keep moving forward. This idea of church is modeled all through the New Testament. It's modeled all through the book of Acts. Look at this. There are many parts. There's one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. I don't need you. In our world today, people are wanting to say, I love Jesus. I don't need the body. It's right there. You can't do that. No matter what part you are, you can't say, I don't need you. And those of us in this room, when people sometimes leave and they, they give us reasons for why they leave, and I, I sometimes share that with people and they get all upset. Well, we weren't like that. Those people aren't telling the truth. They had all their own. It's okay. It's what they felt when they left. Don't get offended by it. 
Don't get your identity out of what other people say. Get your identity from the cross. And then when people say, this is why I left, you won't get offended by it. I mean, I know that's a process to work through, but we need each other in the body of Christ. There's a passage of Scripture in the book of Philippians that we started with, but I want to read from the beginning. Starting in verse 3, Every time I think of you, I give thanks to God. Whenever I pray, I make requests for all of you with joy, for you've been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue His work until the date's finally finished on the day when Christ returns. Over the last several years, we have a a leadership team that meets, and we try to intentionally understand what we feel like God wants us to do or be as a body, and we we do that. We've started looking at, you know, what we, we preach from week to week, what we share, what we teach as a whole. You know, not just what do I feel like preaching today or what problem is someone causing that I need to speak at in a sermon, but we say, okay, we have a whole year. We have 52 weeks to talk to people. What do we want to communicate in 52 weeks? What are some core truths that we want to get in people's hearts? Now, I recognize that we don't have any of you for 52 weeks. You don't even have me for 52 weeks, but you get the idea. So we've tried to be very intentional with the words we use. One of the changes that we're proposing at today's meeting is the words membership in our body. I have never been a fan of calling people attenders of our church because I don't think that's a biblical definition. I think that the word attender is not in the Bible. Nobody was meant to attend church. You were meant to be a member of a body. But I realize that if we call you a member, that gives you voting privileges and rights, and you could be a deacon, you could be an elder in the church, and maybe you're not at that point. But I want to propose that every person who wants to be a part or in, in a relationship with us, attend our services, come to this fellowship, that they be called members which then means what we call members has to have a new name. And I love the name that the Apostle Paul uses, not just here in Philippians chapter 1, but in other places throughout the Scripture. He uses the word partners. Partners. Partnership conveys a deeper commitment. It means to share a yoke. It's an intimate relationship. It's even used for the word of a married couple in the Scriptures. When you share a yoke with someone, you don't just attend a worship service. You're a member of the body. You don't just serve in a ministry. You actually yoke yourself together. If you've ever seen oxen yoked together, they don't go in different ways. They work together. They work together with one mind, one purpose, one heart. That's what the Apostle Paul says there in Philippians chapter 2. He wants us to agree together. He wants us to love each other. He wants us to work together with one mind, one purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourselves. And don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Did you guys see that right there? The word boundaries is right there in the Scripture. Did you see it? Did you see it? He says, don't look out only for your own interests. What does that mean? It means I shouldn't just look out for my own interests. I should also look out for yours. 
But does it imply that I should look out for my own interests? Yes, it does. And I am in charge of making sure that I set healthy boundaries around my life to make sure I take care. Now, they can't be selfish boundaries because he says it right there. Don't be selfish. But they have to be healthy. I'm tired of walking, watching people walk away from the church because they're burned out because they didn't have any idea how to set healthy boundaries around their lives. And then they blame everyone that was in the church. People took from me. No, people can't take anything from you that you don't give. Jesus said it. You can't take anything from me. I laid, I laid down my life. You didn't take it from me. I laid it down. And I can pick it back up again. That's boundaries. That's what we've been trying to teach. Keep Your Love On wasn't just some fun book that we thought about showing you. That's the culture of Huron First Assembly of God. We will keep our love on towards people. We will act in their best interest and our best interest at the same time. Anybody excited about that? I'm very excited about that. So anyway, but some people say, well, Pastor Tom, just changing words isn't going to make a difference. You're right. It's not. But the words we use communicate where we are going. We're not just changing our words. We're changing the direction of where we're going. We want to intentionally start thinking like the Scripture teaches, not just like our culture teaches. Well, other churches will get confused or other people won't understand what we're saying. Teach them. Teach them. By the way, if you walk into a place and someone says, you know, what's your church mean by that? And you say, oh, I don't know. It's just some, you know, whatever. What does that communicate? That communicates. But if you walk in a room and you say to people, no, you know, we do it because the Bible says we're all members of the body. But it also says that there should only be certain people who are leaders or teachers or, you know, even voting members. We should, we should get to know people before we put them in that position. And so we believe in something called partnership, where we yoke ourselves together and we work toward one mind. It's in the Bible. And then people will be like, really? Where's that in the Bible? I didn't know that was in the Bible. There's all kinds of stuff in the Bible that people don't know about. Because we don't read it, we just read our favorite parts to make us feel better for the day, and then we just kind of want to move on. Ouch, that was maybe a little out of line. All right, so I, I, still, have a, I still have about at least 20 minutes of sermon left. So everyone say, that was the intermission. <clears throat> Stretch for a little bit, because i got to take you on a little bit of a journey. Um, because I, w I wasn't going to share some of this stuff, but I feel like I, I need to. I, I mean, I feel like God put this on my heart to share. Because um, where, where, where are we going as a body? What's ahead for us? That's what we've been wrestling with for years. Um, but over the last several years, uh, if you remember back when Pastor John and Heather um, lost baby Judah, uh, back in, it was in an October uh, prayer time, and um, we were meeting here on a Tuesday night for prayer, and the, the team prayed for me. Someone felt like they really needed to pray for me, which... Um, was interesting because I felt like everything was great other than, you know, they, had, they were in the process of losing the baby. They hadn't lost him yet. And um, we, you know, I, so we were, I'm like, why do we need to pray for me? We need to pray for them, you know, but whatever. And they prayed for like 45 minutes for me. Um, and then, you know, baby Judah passed away. And then the next day, someone called me and shared with me a dream. And I wrote it down. One of our leaders, they said, I had a dream about you that you were standing in the parking lot of the church and the tornado sirens were going off and a tornado was coming straight toward the church. And you were in the parking lot and we were all in the foyer watching and yelling and screaming at you. 
but you just stood there. And she said, the closer the storm, no, oops, the person said, the closer the storm got to you, the more we screamed, but you just didn't move. It's like you just stood there. And then the storm was on top of you, and you were in the storm, and we all immediately thought you were gone, dead. And then suddenly, the storm just completely vanished. The sun came out. Everything was calm. And you turned around and walked right back in the church. I'm like, huh, that's a weird dream. And in my head, as she's telling me this dream, I'm like, oh, dear God, they prayed for me for 45 minutes, and there's this storm. And ah, in my head, I'm like, what's about to happen? And I promise you, the last two years of my life have been the hardest years to walk through. The different things that I have faced within our own family, physical things in our family members, uh, emotional things in my own life, the things that have taken place in the, in the church. Um, there have been so many layers of things that have taken place. And I wrestled with this. And during this time, I went through uh, a group, a cohort called Water Tower Network. And basically, a, a large church in Dallas, Texas has a vision for reaching rural America. They believe that the people in rural America are as important to reach as the people overseas in Africa. And they put their money where their mouth is. They invest in pastors like me to show that, hey, there's value in what you're doing. And to try to convince us that you don't have to go pastor in a rural church until you grow up enough to pastor in a big church. That you can see that God puts people in places. I have always felt like God has called me to Huron. I've had opportunities to go other places and look other places. But this is where God's called me to be. He opened the door. And when he wants me to leave, he'll call me and open the door. I don't need to send out resumes to go somewhere. He'll open the door. He hasn't done that in my heart. Now, there have been days where I've wanted to send out resumes. I mean, you all know, there's days you want to turn in, I'm sick of this place. Oh, did you not know I was a human? I'm sorry. <laughs> but guess what? 20 years later, here I am. Because the best days are still in front of us. Over this last year, our last meeting was in Dallas in September. And we actually had to leave a day early um, to come back. But the Lord started, it was like, he opened the windows of heaven over my life. There's no other way to describe it. Um, where I am journaling things, hearing things, feeling like he's put vision in my heart for things that uh, sometimes I'm even nervous to say out loud. In fact, I, I took our leaders to a place and um, I, was, I literally was trembling with fear <laughs> to share. It was like I was going to give them a little piece of my heart. And uh, shared with them a vision that I felt like God put in my heart, and I'm, I'm like, I, I know it doesn't make any sense, and I know this looks like it's crazy, uh, but I want us to pray together, and then you tell me what's in your heart. And uh, no one said, well, this is ridiculous, it's great. All they said was, basically echoed around the room, I, I get that sense too. I get the sense God's doing something, can't really articulate what it is. And for the first time in my life, I put something out there that was like bigger than me. And if you've been to any of our family meetings over the last several months, um, I've been starting to articulate some of those things. Some of them I'm not going to articulate, not because I want to hide them from you, but because I don't know what they are. Does that make sense? And sometimes people say, why do you hide things? I don't hide anything. In fact, if you want to come and sit down and have a cup of coffee with me, you'll probably hear a lot more because sometimes I don't know when to shut up. That's one of the things the Lord says. You've got to learn, when I whisper something to you, you've got to learn not to say it all the time. Sometimes you've got to hold it until I tell you to say it. And I have to learn that lesson. 
And so coffee is my weakness. It just makes everything come out. But he put a word in my heart, the word restoration, back in September. And the word restoration, uh, I've been trying to figure out since September, and it got clearer and clearer as we went. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. That word restoration means to make adequate, to furnish completely, and to cause to be fully qualified. Um, in a nutshell, when I see the word restoration, it really means two things. There are people in our world who need to be restored to a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Okay, that's, that's the one group. And everything that we want to do and want to be a part of is to help them understand that there's a relationship that they need restored. They have a relationship with the Father. He is no longer counting their sins against them, but they have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to walk in that restoration. And whether it's through missions, whether it's through uh, ministries or outreaches, we want people to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, I know that a lot of times we, we say things like, well, we really need to balance ministry in the local church with reaching the lost. And I've become more and more convinced that if Jesus left the 99 to go after one, that's the level of balance we need in the church. Because at the end of the day, those of us in this room walking in a relationship with the Father because of Jesus Christ, if he comes back today, maybe you'll be a little discouraged. Maybe you'll be a little downtrodden. But you're going. The one isn't going. And so if there's a level of balance, it ought to be 99 to 1. In our resources, in our time, in our energy, it ought to be about the, the one more than it is. And most of our arguments stem from the 99. I don't know that anyone's ever argued with me about reaching the one. But there's always a lot of argument about the 99. These are just tools. And don't think we use all my favorite tools. I have a lot of favorite tools that people roll their eyes at when I say we should use. And I listen to them because some of them are smarter than me. We want to make a difference in our city. In Jeremiah chapter 29, there's a verse that says, Seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you. Look at this. In its welfare, you will find your welfare. God said that to his people in exile. We want to do more to make a difference in our city. To cause it to be blessed. Not because they've repented, but because of the kindness of God leads people to repentance. Not with ulterior motives, but because our welfare is hinged upon their welfare. You know where it starts? It starts by just stop opening your mouth to complain about everything in our city you don't like. Well, we don't have any good restaurants. Well, we don't have any good stores. Well, we don't have any good service. Well, we have too many potholes. Well, we have corruption. Well, we move. <laughs> I know that sounds really harsh, but at the end of the day, just stop. I'm just as guilty. I could complain about a thousand things. But what I want to stop doing is doing that. And I want my city to be 
blessed. And I believe Huron is so strategically located that out of this area, we're not going to just impact the city. We're going to impact this region. We want to plant churches. You, you see these new things, these banners over here? These are our missions banners. Reach the lost, plant churches, train leaders, serve the poor. The Assemblies of God World Missions around the world is growing like crazy, but not so much here in America. We don't do this here in America. And around the world, we do this, and it's working. Guess what we're going to start doing in America? This. We're going to plant churches. We've got a couple, Mark and Ginny Apple, that want to move to Redfield and pastor a church. We're going to plant a church in Redfield. You want to come? We're going to plant churches around this area, and they're going to be a part of our body. They're not going to be their own church, because in a small community, it's hard for a pastor to maybe work a part-time job or, or do the work of the ministry all by themselves. We're not going to put them there to fail. We're going with them. We're going to be partners to reach the city of Redfield, because there are people in Redfield that need to hear the message of Jesus Christ. Go ahead and clap. Some of you want to clap. I just feel like I don't have enough time, so I didn't want you to clap. But All around the world, we are doing this. Our footprint is reaching all of these places. We have staff members in all of these places around the world. Isn't that incredible? See, you think this is just a basket where you drop some dollars. This isn't a basket where you drop some dollars. This is an investment in reaching the lost, planning churches, training leaders, and serving the poor in all of those places. And we are partners together in the gospel. And I want you to hear from some of our staff today. Before I spoke a word, you were singing Serving in the nation of Myanmar. I just want to say thank you, Huron First Assembly, for your prayers and support that allow me to share the love of Jesus here in Myanmar. These are some of the lives that have been changed because of you. Greetings, Huron First. Uh, we are the Amyats, missionaries here in Costa Rica. We just want to say thank you for, for all your support and prayers throughout the years. We love you and God bless. Hey, here on first. We're so grateful for your prayers and support, and we pray that God would bless you and everything you do. From Weasley's in China, Jason. Danette. Caitlin. Ariella. Matea. Elisa. To our friends in Huron. Thank you. Hi, Jacob Bach here in Madrid, Spain. Thank you, Huron First, for all your prayers and support. The gospel continues to be preached every day in Spain. Thank you, Huron First, for all of your prayer and support. Good morning, Huron First. This is Melissa Glanzer. Thank you so much for all of your prayers and support. Thank you, Huron. For all your prayers and support. Hello, friends at Huron First. This is John Dolliger in Costa Rica. Thank you so much for your prayers and support. God bless you. Hello from China here in Assembly of God. I'm Steve. And Linda. I'm Dakota. And we're the Lilies. And we just wanted to tell you how much we appreciate you. Thank you so much for all that you do for us, your prayers and your blessings. Hi, we're Jeff and Janelle Nelson, missionaries to Kenya, and we just want to say a big thank you to Huron First Assembly for all of your support and your prayers over the years. God bless you. Thank you from Phil and Denise Reed to our friends at Huron First. For your prayers and financial support. We really appreciate it. Hi, friends. 
Uh, this is Debbie Reed. Uh, Rich and I are helping with our family today in Lesotho to do a service for the children at Calvary Temple in uh, Mafetang, Lesotho. And I just wanted you to see the fruit of some of the giving that you have done and the prayers that you have prayed. These children love to serve Jesus. Thank you for supporting us. Thank, Thank you, you Kieran, first for, for all your prayers and support. support. We love you guys. Hi, Pastor Tom. Hello to my cousin Christy. Mike and Mona Shields here, missionary evangelist to Latin America. Thank you so much for your support and your prayers for us. They keep us going. And in May, we'll be in Bolivia preaching the gospel. And your representatives. So thanks so much for your support. God bless you, everybody in Huron. Bye for now. Bye bye. We just wanted to stop and take a minute and say thank you for your financial commitment and your prayer support as we're here in the Dominican Republic. We couldn't do what we do without you. Thank you and God bless. It's a game changer. Hi, here on First Assembly, this is the Winter Family from Central Java, Indonesia, and we just want to say thank you for all of your prayer and support over the years. God bless you. Steve and Jackie Sullivan, Myanmar, Southeast Asia. Here in AG holds a special place in my heart because my parents were both saved on in Sharkiel there at your church in 1953. Thank you here on Assembly for supporting us and our ministry for many years. God bless you. Thank you. Hi, Pastor Tom and friends at Curon First Assembly. We're so grateful for everything you do for us. Thank you so much for these years you've backed us. You're really family. Every victory we have is yours. You've been faithful. We feel covered and loved. Rocky and Sherry Grahams, Argentina. God bless. And that's not even everybody. When you make a faith promise, when you pull out this card and you say, God, how much can I do? And how much would you enable me to do if I sacrificed? And you could even do beyond that. And we, every single month, give money to this basket. It's not that basket that we give to. That's what we give to. That's... The, Reaching the lost, planting churches, training leaders, serving the poor around the world. But restoration isn't just about reaching those who have not been in relationship with the Father. It's about taking those who have been restored to relationship and teaching them to walk in the full restoration of that relationship. It's about restoring those who are fallen. In Galatians chapter 6, it says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. You know one thing that the church doesn't do well? Restore people. We don't. We don't know what to do with them. We don't know what to do when people sin. Believers, we're like, we don't know what to do with that. They sin. As if those of us in this room never sin. And we don't know how to handle that. I have always been a firm believer in trying to take people who were once in ministry and restoring them to ministry. 
Because if you have a call from God to be in ministry, the Scripture says He doesn't revoke that call just because it got hard or just because you made a mistake. And so there's a path of restoration. I have done it over the years in this church. We're going to continue to do it. We're going to try to get people into restored places of ministry. And when you plant churches and you walk alongside people maybe that are apprehensive about getting back into ministry, they'll get back into ministry. They'll grow and flourish because we're not going to send them alone. We're going with them. We're going to restore those that are lost. We unrolled at the beginning of the year our Oaks ministry. Oaks ministry, older adults in kingdom service, believing there is a generation of older adults in this church that need to be pouring themselves into a younger generation. I know it's easy as an older generation to look down and to mock and to complain and to criticize about this younger generation, but would you speak what God speaks over this generation? Would you look past the flaws and the faults on the outward exterior even when it rubs you the wrong way, even when they criticize you? Would you be the bigger person and speak to what's in their hearts, the dreams and visions God has for them first? That's what we want to communicate in this church. We want to be people that don't treat people the way they treat us. We don't treat people as they deserve because he never did. And that's who we follow. When we met with the men for our men's breakfast, I challenged you as men to take responsibility as the leaders of your home, to begin to pray for your wives, to begin to pray for your families. And we're going to continue to meet every other month, and we're going to keep each other accountable, and we're going to challenge each other. You don't need to tell your wife what she's doing wrong. You need to take her daily to the throne of God and allow God to mold and shape her. You need to wash her with your words and not condemn her with your words. And the wives want to clap, but they won't. It's, don't, don't clap, it'd be bad. I believe we need to set people free from the life-controlling addictions that they have. Not just drugs and alcohol, not just pornography, but sometimes even just the mindsets that we get rooted in. And we're looking at trying to put together a plan to walk people through, similar to Celebrate Recovery, but it's not Celebrate Recovery, leading people to true freedom, walking in full restoration. That word restoration, if you remember, carries with it the idea of being fully furnished. A few months ago, I shared with you the scripture from Matthew chapter 12, and if you remember... If only I could see. The evil spirit leaves the person, and when it returns, it finds it unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. We want to be about sweeping people's lives, putting things in order, restoring them to relationship with God, but we want to teach them to furnish the house of God and to walk in the giftings of the Spirit, to walk in the power of the Spirit, to walk in the life of the Spirit. You were created for more. Thank you. I promise you, our next series starting on Easter Sunday is going to convince you, if you can be convinced, you were created for more. There's more, there's more than what we have believed. This word restoration fits so well with all of the things that we have been dreaming and thinking and things I've been sharing with you in our family meetings. The, the idea of restoring people to right relationship with God, leading them in deliverance, leading them into discipleship or fully furnished houses. I want to 
begin to ask you to pray with us as leaders to consider the idea of Huron First Assembly of God being renamed Restoration Church. To signify we are about people walking in relationship with the Father. We want lost people who are out of relationship with God to come to know Him as Savior and as Lord. We want them in restoration in relationship. We want you as believers to walk in the full restoration of that relationship with God. The gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the life of God, the mind of Christ, deliverance, freedom, all that is in salvation actually showing up in our lives, not just being theology that we claim to believe, but something that shows up in our lives. We want it to be who we are. Don't panic. We're not voting on this today. That would be illegal, even according to our own constitution. Here's what I'm asking. I'm not asking you, in fact, I purposely designed a logo that was so plain Because I didn't want you to think about that. I want you to think about what's in God's heart for our church. Does this idea fit where he wants us to go? Where we're going as a body? I want you to begin to pray. I don't don't know why this direction is where God is taking us, but this is where he's taking us. And whether we change our name or not, this is where we're going. I just feel like maybe it's time that we call ourselves where we're going. And so I want you to begin to pray, and I want you to begin to think, and I want you to begin to have conversation with me. I'd love for you to have conversation with me about it. Talk to me about what you feel, what's in your heart, whether it's good, whether it's scary, whether it's just flat out bad. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Because here's the thing. If you say it behind my back, I'm going to hear about it anyway. I mean, I know that sometimes you think I don't hear about the things that happen behind my back. I do. I do. And I would much rather you tell me those crazy things to my face because I can handle it. Because I've been handling it for 20 years and I'm going to keep handling it. We're striving for restoration, bringing people into that relationship with God, full restoration, restoring those who are caught in sin, restoring ministry positions, restoring marriages, bringing prodigals back into the kingdom, walking in step with the Spirit, continuously filled with the Spirit, walking with the fruit of the Spirit, living in complete maturity in Christ, keeping our love on, members of one body, partners together in the gospel, reaching the lost, planning churches, training leaders, serving the poor, because he who began a good work in us will be be faithful to complete it. I want you to stand with me. I'm going to say a prayer of dismissal over us. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over our church moving forward. And we've got cupcakes for you as VIPs. As you leave today, there are cupcakes at each door and you can pick them up. You can eat your cupcake before lunch. Because you are VIPs, and that's what we do. And so take a cupcake. We have lunch prepared. There's chili. It's the most amazing chili you will have ever eaten in your life. Micaiah might not think so, but I think so. I know we have another kind of soup, too. Broccoli, cheese, a close second to chili. We've got peanut butter and jelly. We've got tuna. We've got Lebanon bologna. Some of you are like, huh? You want to stay for lunch. We've got an annual meeting that will follow lunch. We're going to meet back in this room for that meeting. But after the lunch, 
As always, our prayer team is going to be in the front. We don't want to rush you out of here. We know that some of you may need to leave. Some of you are going to head to lunch. But if you need prayer for anything, we want to take the opportunity to pray with you before you leave. And so, Father, I thank you today for all of the things that you are doing. God, I know that at times when we look around, it feels like we are surrounded by enemies in our individual lives, in this church. But God, thank you for the reminder from your word today that the one who begins this good work in us is going to be faithful to complete it. God, we know that the best days are in front of us. God, we recognize that you may call us like Abraham to put one of our favorite things up on that altar. But God, we're ready to follow you. We're ready to trust you. We're ready to give everything for you. God, we're tired of singing, I surrender all, and living, I surrender some. We want to lay everything at your feet today. God, we want you to connect us as a body. We know that we can't connect ourselves. You can do it. God, you are the one that unifies us. You are the one that makes us one. And then, Holy Spirit, we want you to give us the grace we need to maintain the unity that you bring. God, I'm excited about the future of this church. I'm excited about the possibilities of seeing this church and your reach begin to spread out not only throughout the entire city of Huron, but throughout Beetle County, throughout Spink County, throughout Sanford County, Sanborn County. God, everywhere you want to put your footprint, we want to go. I pray begin to raise up leaders. God, begin to put dreams and visions right now in the hearts of men and women in this room for ways that you want them to be a part of this process, ways that you want them to begin to dream. God, unlock dreams that have laid dormant in hearts, dreams that were almost forgotten. Breathe hope into hopeless situations right now. Holy Spirit, do the work that only you can do. God, take the words that I've shared today, the visions, the dreams, the plans that you've put in my heart. And God, I pray that you would just allow everything that's me to fall to the side and that everything that is you to penetrate every heart and to begin to, to bring forth the fruit that you want it to come forth as. And so Holy Spirit, I pray your blessing over this entire body today. God, not just those in this room, those that can't be here today. God, our staff members around the world. Lord, would you bless them today and keep them. God, would you cause your face to shine on them? Would you be gracious to them? Would you lift up your countenance upon them and give them peace? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, thank you for being here. Grab a cupcake. Head to lunch. If you need prayer, uh, please come find one of us. We'd love the opportunity to pray with you this morning.